Welcome to season two of In the Game, a podcast that features cultural influencers, athletes, and musicians. I promise that this will be a unique experience. You are in the game. My next guest on In The Game wrote a book called Off The Chain, an insider's history of snowboarding. He is the founder of Legacy Brands, a CBD consumable company, and Ross's Gold, a medical cannabis merchandise company. He is the 1998 Winter Olympics gold medalist in men's giant slalom and snowboarding. He's none other than BC's Ross Rebliati. Ross, you are in the game. Ross Rebliati, Canada. Olympic champion, gold medalist, Ross Rebliati, Canada. So, so you mentioned the politics and you mentioned that, like, I don't want to get into the politic aspect of it, but the Olympics and the Olympic games and the training, um, you know, I was a huge fan of Steve Prefontaine, um, a distance runner out of Oregon in the seventies. That was, you know, he was probably one of the first prominent athletes to wear Nike. Um, he, co- he was coached under Bill Bowerman. Um, Steve Prefontaine's point was against the, um, amateur athletic union at the time was you know you put us up on a podium and you praise us every four years but then you take us out to the trash and forget about us after that um do you kind of you know with your experience in 98 and i mean i'm not saying things have gotten better even now but did you get the sense of you know like funding is tough to get the sponsorships is where you're getting your money there's only so much slotted and allotted by um athletics canada did you do you find doing all that touring and competing globally around the world to get to that stage is difficult um whereas some countries like the united states it's like bang they have million dollars per athletes going you know to these athletes to train did you did you find that at all sure i mean there you know i paid my way to nagano <laughs> yeah and there was no prize money right and there's, you know, there were, for me, there was a lot of fallout from it and sponsorship issues and um, just PTSD, basically, from having to go through that whole experience. So there was that. Um, on, on a, before the Olympics, you know, I, I was making money on the pro tour. I was making enough money to have a house, you know, and uh, to travel around the world and to pay my team, my, my coach, cause it was all pro we paid for everything, but then we could have our own sponsorships and the better we did them, you know, the, we could negotiate our, for ourselves and we would, we had agents just like pro athletes that we, and then once we moved over to the Olympics and the national team took over, all of a sudden you, you can't have your own sponsors anymore. And you saw a lot of athletes at the time saying, um, you know, we're going to spend our, our, career on the doing the x games for example and um you know we'll come on to the olympics at at the last second uh and do a couple of races to get the points and and qualify but we're not going to spend our time because we can't make any money doing that and you know so there's a few like mark mcmorris and a few guys in canada that can actually do that and are at that level and we actually have a pretty strong team to be honest our canadian snowboard team is very strong also on the Alpine, but in the Alpine, we don't have the X Games. And so we, we basically live for the Olympics in Alpine now. That's our number one event. And um, you basically are at the mercy of whatever the funding is for the team. And yeah, I mean, we're out of Canada. You know, we do things for, you know, out of passion and love. And, uh, and that's, that's what it's all about. 
I'm I, I'm getting the sense here, and I'm going to lead it up to a point here, and you're going to laugh. But so we covered that you were, you know, the, the competitive skiing when you were younger, got into the snowboarding. So you change, um, I guess, disciplines is what you would call it. Um, and then, you know, you worked your way up and you competed and got to Nagano. Um, you won a gold medal in the giant slalom. And this is the topic we're going to cover for the rest of the way, because I think you and I will have a laugh at this because you were forgetting some things in the beginning of this uh, episode here of where it was leading. And while I was talking, I realized I didn't record the first four or five minutes of us <laughs> talking. Right. So and I'm going to and I'm going to tell you, Ross, that has to do with some symptoms with me with like CTE. Okay. And I'm sure you're aware of that. So we're going to get to that stuff. Now we're going to talk about Nagato. Um, you obviously won, you had a really good run in the giant slalom. You, you took home a gold medal. I mean, momentarily there, um, it was yours. And I guess within hours, or I would guess within, I don't know how long the, the testing took, um, but there was a situation there. Um, and I guess it garnered a lot of headlines. What was that time in your life like? Crazy, you know, like leading up to the games itself was was crazy. And um, there's a whole story there going, you know, through the process of getting into Japan and, and with the media and that level of security. Uh, you know, we were at a whole different venue and a whole new ball game when it came to pro sports and what we were used to as athletes so yeah it was an intense and then of course uh game day was was intense and you know i won the the race and uh you know i came from behind to to win after the the first run i had made a couple of mistakes and i was a little behind on my time so i had to let her let her run on the second on the second run so it was just you know pretty intense race also for me it wasn't a cakewalk at all i think i only won it by 200 some seconds and uh yeah i did my drug testing afterwards the prp test and we pretty much had a good night <laughs> that night and um and a fairly good morning and around 10 or 11 in the morning coaches came in and cleared out our my room and and uh, that's when things went from uh, intense good to intense not so good. And yeah, it was really, uh, you know, it was a big shocker to me because I had gone through drug testing protocols and whatnot before I went to Nagano. I did three drug tests and uh, I wasn't smoking weed and I thought that I was um, on a good program and I was feeling good. And I slept the night before the race and I would, I didn't feel like anxiety out of the ordinary. Like I was worried about failing any drug tests or anything. So, um, but yeah, no, that was a, a really tough, you know, time of my life. And, um, you know, we were always at, into sports for the love of it and the passion and snowboarding it doesn't have that same like culture where you're like taking steroids and, yeah, I was going to say that earlier, Ross, I was going to say that, that man, like the lifestyle with the snowboarder, and, and it's not a thing of, oh, this is what these guys are like, or it's just the, you know, the beauty of the mountains, the carefree, you know, if you're going to race your buddy down it, it's, it's, it's all like, it's about carefree and this and that. Whereas, you know, baseball, it was like about the home runs. When you talked about um, Bonds and McGuire, whether it was Andersteen Dion or, or steroids or, uh, and it was about, they got paid for the more home runs they hit, or they got paid for the, uh, you know, the performance and, and you guys, it was, you know, it's almost like, you know, not like crack, it's like crack a beer open, you know, like, or whatever, you know, like, what it is it's a social setting but then it became a competitive sport right because those events were created like you said half pipe and you know how many uh, skateboarders in the 90s did i know that you know they'd be drinking beer at a bush party um maybe have a joint and then uh and like i said the next day you're out on the half pipe um in a friend's backyard and it it turned out to be a backyard sport that turned olympic right so like you said you again we knew they'd be testing weightlifters in the summer olympics or they'd be testing you know that type of strength or even you know you hear about blood doping with the distance runners right but snowboarding again you get tested um 
obviously the the positive they they took your medal away so i i you know what not that i was too young because like i said i was like 18 or 19 but I don't think I really paid attention to the full. I didn't care, right? Um, there was a big deal around it. It's not. It wasn't the thing of I didn't care of. Oh, he had cannabis in the system is what they the test showed. It was just. It was kind of like, oh, is he? Are we losing a medal, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, like so you got the medal back. And so, and what was the reasoning behind that, Ross? Like, I, I so I don't remember the story, but was it just? Um, did you have to have arbitrators or somebody? on the Canadian Athletics or Athletics Canada or WADA? Like what was going on and how did they overturn that? Do you know? Yeah, so I went through two appeals where I um, explained how I tested positive and how I used to use cannabis or that I did use cannabis. And, um, that went to a split, a split decision. Um, and so they didn't give it to me on the first one. And then, uh, which was un heard of they never uh they usually they always have given the the athlete the benefit of the doubt if it's a split decision so this was the first time that didn't happen and then um the second one was basically the same thing um uh one of even the canadian guy dick pound didn't uh he didn't vote for me so that's what created stalemate yeah yeah and and so there was that and then um I ended up in the court of arbitration, which was my final yeah. attempt to clear my name where, you know, there was the five lawyers and they literally, I was at a, uh, you're saying, you're, you're saying clear your name. And it's when you, when I'm listening to you say that it's like, you know, from what taking steroids or like methamphetamines or, you know, pushing like, you know, it's like, like you, you know, at that point in time, I knew, you know, I never smoked it or did it in high school. Um, and, um, it, anybody I did know, which was a lot of people, it was like, you know, you can go both ways. You can either be super chill and relaxed, like too relaxed, um, which might be good. And, you know, if you're performing, but, uh, uh, the other aspect is really, really sleepy or hungry. And, you know, some people have anxiety. I mean, it, it works differently for everybody. It's not a, it's not a thing where we all stick needles in with steroids and we're all going to have some sort of, uh, performance enhancing, correct? Yeah. I mean, it's different for everybody. And, um, you know, it, that's that's exactly right. I mean, there's so much adrenaline pumping through your veins. It would be pretty hard to sedate you on anything, you know, if you're in a, and not to mention like cannabis isn't really like, uh, you know, you're not really looking for those high profile events and smoking weed and getting baked in front of a bunch of people you don't know. So it's not really conducive to the situation either. Like even at the Olympics period, there are guys with machine guns standing around everywhere. And, um, you know, it was a super intense experience just to be there. And so the court of arbitration just looked at the, the band, the list of banned substances and noted that cannabis is, wasn't on it. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> and so that's what the, con you know, then there was another controversy because I had done my drug testing and those three drug tests prior to the Olympics were made public at the time that I had tested positive for cannabis and all of them. And nothing came back to me because it wasn't on the list of banned substances. Yeah. I mean, like if, if you're going to test, uh, you know, for alcohol in your system and it's not banned, you don't have to tell people he had alcohol in his system. Same with like cannabis. Like you said, if it's not on the list or banned, what does it matter? Yeah. Right. But we thought it was on the list anyway. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we all thought it was on the list. Like yeah, no well, even me, I would have thought, when I heard, cause I didn't know how it was overturned, but I thought cannabis was like uh shitty, you know, he could have waited to smoke the joint till after if that was the case. Right. But nobody knew. Right. But again, like snow, like snowboarding, like I said, all my buddies, like that's a relaxed thing. It, it part of the culture um, with a lot of my friends who skateboarded, snowboarded and even was in the music. But you know, like you said, I would I mean, sure when you're on the mountain or you're, you're, yeah. you're training or you're doing something with your buddies or you're not at a race where there's TV cameras in your face and cheering fans, it's, it's a whole different, it's not conducive to that situation at all. Right. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like an apres 
thing. Like I don't drink, right? And I'm not making a big deal out of it. It's just, I smoke weed. That's what I do. I'm to bed early. I'm up early and I do my day. I got the kids and stuff and, and that works for me. And that I was like that growing up. And, um, you know, so that was my thing. It didn't work for me that great not to, to be smoking weed. And I had to stop for um, months on end <laughs> to, to, you know, leading up to the games and competing on the, the new snowboard tour, which had drug testing, which was not normal for us. As, so, so, you know. so you, so you got that overturned through arbitration and yeah. you got that. Did they physically actually remove the gold medal from you until, um, there was actually a determination of you keeping it. Did they actually physically ask for it back or no? They were, the Olympic uh, Association was requested by the IOC to take it from me. Literally. Okay. Okay. But so, I had it in my pocket and yeah. nobody asked me for it. So I just <laughs> kept it. Yeah. That must've been the scene where you walked out. I think it, I can't remember if uh, it was a station yeah. or something in Japan there. And yeah, you it was it the up. police station. I was in jail and I got out of jail because I got my medal back. And so I hadn't looked at it or taken it out of my pocket for a couple of days because this whole thing lasted, I think two or three days. And, uh, yeah, that was the, on the, on the steps of the police station, they're pressing charges. Did it ruin things for you though, Ross? Uh, like the feeling for you or no? Like, oh yeah. Like I know you wanted to clear your name. You wanted to clear your name, but I mean, yeah. I mean, because now, like you said, oh, you know, what does the country, I guess, think of me, or what does my uh, teammates think of me, or you know, like well, I, it was the whole world was thinking about me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, mean, I was. It was on the first day of the Olympics, and we were the first event. And this, you know, it, I was the story of the Olympics and, and the whole entire world was talking about it. And, you know, the next day I flew to LA to do the tonight show and people through Narita were like, you're Ross Rebliati. And I'm like, you're the guy that got busted for, for weed. And I, I was like literally shocked, like just business people walking through the airport in Narita. I've been through Narita lots of times. And so this was, not the the way I wanted to go down, and um, you ended up on the Jay Leno show, if I remember correctly. Um, I, I mean, at least I hope you had some fun with it. I mean, you knew you got the medal, right? You you got them. I mean, listen, like but had it has its good points, right? Like for it sure, it had its good points. Being in jail and and going through that wasn't wasn't fun, and you know, having to retire and lose my sponsorships and and things like that. Like there were. There was fallout and I, there were, we had death threats against the family and, you know, things like that, ruining Canada's reputation. Like there was a lot of fallout, but having said that, there was a lot of good shit too. Oh yeah. I mean, but you know, Ross, looking back on it, um, it, it, it we're similar because like I said, we grew up in the sports culture. Like I got paid to do the hockey. You were in the same scenario. And I know a lot of people in the NHL Olympians and listen, there's so many people that like to judge. They like to judge, especially athletes, especially pro athletes because, Oh, they get paid so much and this and that. And you know what, unless you've actually done the dedicated time to, they say 10,000 hours of perfection to, to whether it's a marathon runner or, or a snowboarder or a hockey player, unless you've done all the hours, you've made all the sacrifices, which some sports, it requires you to be up very early, put in tons of mileage or repetitions or um, that sacrifice of your social life to get there. Um, and you know, we're human, we're all human. Um, and most of all, you represented your country. And like I said, unless people have actually been there and realized the amount of pressure that is put on an athlete and what the return actually is, people would be shocked. And some people I think would be embarrassed or upset that they actually spoke about athletes that way or treated them a certain way. Because until you live the life, you'll never know what it's like. And that moves us. Yeah. And I mean, that moves us into the, to the, to the back half of this conversation, which is, yeah. So you lost the gold medal to cannabis and you got it back. Um, 
you know, your life moved forward as you as you said. Um, they had it. It had the positives. It had the negatives. There was threats against the family. You know, what did people think about Ross and this and that? But moving forward, times changed. People changed. Opportunities came. You. You know, I'm starting to see with a lot of my NHL friends and, and NFL friends that have suffered massive amounts of concussions, whether they're fighters or whether they were just, like I said, football players that took a lot of headshots or hockey players. I struggled with some of those things myself, whether it was some memory loss, um, some mood changes or aggression, um, some troubling times in a few moments of my life where I had to get some help. Um, my body now at 42 is feeling very sore. I'd never, like I said, used cannabis when I was younger. Um, now the research is showing whether it's anxiety, whether it's inflammation, whether it's stress, whether it's CTE symptoms, cannabis, cannabis has its positives for sure. And that has helped you get to where you are now from a gold medal and an Olympian. Can you get into that sort of aspect of what you are doing now or what has transpired over the last uh, five to 10 years for you personally as a, a business person and yourself, how you're doing overall? Sure. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of self work over the years since Nagano to get, get to here. And, uh, you know, cannabis was a way for me to, to keep an even keel through that, that period. Like I said, I wasn't much of a drinker and I, I cut it out a hundred percent over, over two years ago. And, um, so it was something that was like helpful in, in a lot of different ways. And in one way in particular was, you know, the isolation of being in a situation like that, where, um, you know, over the last year or so, I think people can relate to what that's like, but, um, I was, thrust into a, a life of isolation, you know, years and years ago. So the cannabis was like a companion and there was a lot of things about cannabis that, you know, kept me, you know, forging ahead. And um, over time, you know, I was a cannabis advocate and I would do a lot of interviews, um, stand up for athletes that were getting in trouble for, for using cannabis, uh, and, uh, like the Michael Phelps, uh, story and and so you know i become an advocate for it and i really got behind you know why people and especially athletes why they would choose cannabis and uh, how it can be part of a healthy lifestyle and it, it, there just came a point in time where you know my what i was trying to protect from happening with the fallout of cannabis and the opportunities that cannabis were presenting were sort of intersecting so about eight years ago when my daughter was born and we tried to go down to visit my mom in california and i got turned around at the border again and in 9 11 i got on the no-fly list and and it was the big war against drugs right and especially a schedule one like cannabis in the united states i had a huge so i haven't been traveling and in 08 or when no it's not 08 eight years ago so in, whenever that was i can't do the 15 yeah 15 2015 you know i got turned around at the border with the baby and we we're gonna drive to california and i just was you know what like everything that i would try to protect you know by not being involved in cannabis business is gone so i have nothing to lose i was really bad at just the whole, what it, the fallout still 2017, I'm still going through this, you know, this thing from the Olympics. And, um, you know, that's when I started Ross's goal. And I decided that, uh, you know, it was a good time to start the, the spark, you know, the, what happened to me at the Olympics and to use it in a positive way to, to spread the word about cannabis and how it can be part of a, you know, a great life and, uh, you know, can help people in thousands of different ways. So Ross, um, Ross is, Ross is gold. What, so, so dig into that a little bit, like, what are we looking at with that brand? What, what, what did that start out to be and what did it kind of grow into now? Like what, what are we dealing with that aspect with Ross's gold? So it started off as, um, you know, we were, we were in the space 
uh, pre-legalization. So during prohibition, uh, I had a line of glassware. We had 150 different pieces of, of glass, you know, for like bongs and pipes and yep. different yep. like that apparatuses. And then, you know, that was great. We had a clothing line. Um, we were at all the trade shows back in those days. Uh, we had a big booth and stuff like that. Um, am I back? You're back now. <laughs> did, I, did you hear about the store? No, I didn't because you got muted. I don't know if it was on your end or mine. I didn't touch anything. <laughs> okay. So we ended up, we, we had a store uh, in the end prior to legalization in Kelowna called Ross's Gold. And, yeah. you know, we won awards for the store. It was beautiful. It was, a, it was what, what the future of, of dispensaries was going to look like. When Trudeau came in and we knew, or before he came in, we knew it was going to be on his platform to legalize cannabis and, and um, on a federal level. So we shut her down. And to this day, we haven't relaunched yet into the new legal market. Um, did, did that hurt? Did that hurt? I mean, there's pros and cons to it, right? Like, I mean, um, the legalization is good or decriminalization. But what I mean is in Ontario where I am like the government kind of took over everything. Right. And so what I'm asking you is um, if you had a still been medical only and were able to supply um, the merchandise to medical suppliers and the market was limited, would it have been better or, or, or is it better now? Like it's kind of a, it's a give and take, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's a strange way it came about by being a medical. I mean, that was the only way to, to do it because Correct. of the stigma and everything. Yeah. And the politicians didn't couldn't do better than they did. I mean, they did great considering they don't know anything about weed or yeah. Yeah. they never studied it. They never took yeah. the numbers down, right? And um so nowadays it's it's much better. I, I know Ontario controls it a little bit more. BC's a little different maybe, but um, you know, we have craft cannabis now, which is small batch, like high quality cannabis you can't grow it at a really good level on a mass scale okay? it's, it can't be done. is that what i saw with your little cups there with the chemo strain ones they were i saw that on your profile and i was kind of interested because like that was you know, more of a science experiment like what what can you do with this plant out of out of something like that and you know i would have normally had them in in bigger pots like five or six gallon pots but um it just turned out we we made our, we moved over the winter and I just didn't my room wasn't set up to flip them in, into bigger pots and that that was just an example of um, how resilient cannabis is and and what it can do but um so now you know we're in legalization and um, the brand is is alive and well like it's it's a strong brand it resonates across the board I would say I I I'd pretty much put money on that there aren't a lot of brands right now in the industry that resonate with people at any level let alone at a personal level and i would i would go so far as to say that our brand is the strongest brand in the industry in canada that has nothing for sale well you know you know what i think about when i when i think about this ross is if i was going to buy something from somebody the two things I would want is a name, right? And and whether that's yourself with the Olympic background and, and your history, the passion that you have with the sport. Um, and I would want that person to have some sort of knowledge or, you know, it's it, and, I, and it's not that I'm saying, hey, like I, I don't want to buy any cannabis from a guy that would never smoke cannabis, but the guy, whether he is selling merchandise, understands the merchandise or uses the merchandise or uses the product is what I would want to buy from, whether it's somebody selling me a, a certain thing in my house to build or whether, you know, so you have the name and you also have the personal experience behind it. So if you're, if you're looking to buy things, you think that's where you're going to look. And now on the other hand of it is taking your combination of your experience and your background and marketing stuff, right? So like you said, Ross is gold, or like when I look at your hat and the emblem, it, it, it's, it's, it's like buying a car or creating a car. I mean, everybody eventually gets bored of the same old thing and wants something innovative or something that looks good or something that's a game changer. And that is someone like yourself that would be creative, right? The artistry, 
um, the athletics, all that stuff combined um, has to do with how you move a business forward, correct? I was just going to say, when you said about the, you know, fertilizer or this or that, or the lights, it's almost like the thing of, Hey, you know, we're running a business. Um, you know, people run businesses to, to have a livelihood. Like, I mean, you know, people, yes, people do strike it and get rich and blah, blah. Usually money is the root of all evil and doesn't make you happy, but to six, to put food on the table and have a successful, successful business, it seems to me that your, you know, like you said, your, your business now wants to go towards to, um, good supplies, meaning, you know, the type of fertilizer, the lighting, um, but also educational, educational, right? So your, your, your clients or anybody that's coming in and buying your brand or buying some of the products is, is buying it. Cause like you said, reputable, um, it's buying it because it's educational. Um, and, and it's also for the love of, you know, whatever this is, right? Because it's it's multiple things. I mean, uh, it, it's, you know, I don't drink either, just like you, but you know, some people want that cold beer when they're having a steak. Okay, that's called casual. Um, nowadays, I guess somebody's either wants to eat it in that edible or wants to smoke it. I mean, that's the right and freedom to do so. That can be- And, the, and the drinks are good. Yeah. And, and so, so also where I want to lead to this, Ross, is I have a friend in you're going to laugh at this, but, um, last week was the first time I connected with them in 27 years on social media. I just happened to find him. He actually lives in British Columbia. Now he was in Ontario here. Um, he's a salmon fisherman, uh, and a trout fisherman. He's actually a tour, a guided tour. Um, funny enough was he was following you too, which was hilarious when I found that out after he had mentioned to me that, he was very sick. They lost their family restaurant. They lost a lot of things that they had based on the fact that I think it was pancreatic cancer that he had. Um, they had written him off. And I guess even right now, my mom is actually uh, in her, uh, I think, second battle with cancer now. Um, she had radiation um, and, and, and removed part of uh, her colon, but now it's in her liver. Uh, it's in her lungs and she's doing chemo. But my friend that I caught up with had mentioned that he had done a CBD regiment uh, with a heavy, like, I, I don't know what the, the uh, milligrams were of, of CBD. Um, and probably upwards of a thousand milligrams. Yeah. And he's in the clear, Ross. He's in the yeah. clear now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's, there's amazing research being done that's actually showing how cannabinoids react in your body and how our endocannabinoid system actually allows our cells that we have that go around and fix our body to perform over double the amount of um, functions that they could do when they're cannabinoid deficient. So, I mean, there's groundbreaking stuff going on and, and it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And see this, so this discussion that we're having right now, I, I, and I hope you would relate, but I kind of compare it to, what's going on with COVID right now, right? So what I'm saying is, um, I, I just wish people would have open minds, 
whether it's cannabis or COVID, meaning if these doctors are telling you, you must wear a mask, get vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. Okay. That's fine. Just like people used to say, cannabis is bad, blah, 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 blah. Okay. They have their opinion and they could be medical experts, but even on the flip side, like you said, with cannabis, um, you know, some people have proven that medically, this is what it does for you in the positive realm of things, just like COVID where they say, listen, like, I mean, if you're not going to wear the mask then social distance, or if you're not going to get vaccinated, know the risk, but you know, I wish there was vac doctors that did come out and say, you know, yes, globally, the mortality rate is 3% globally. Right. But it doesn't mean COVID isn't a risk and whatever. It just means, you know, you need to be aware of it. So I wish they would allow like COVID, you listen to both sides where everyone gets an even chance to speak and they respect each other, just like in cannabis. You know, you may think it's the devil's lettuce. The problem with COVID is that there's not enough hospitals. Yes. If there were way more hospitals, then this issue wouldn't be such a huge problem. Yes, yes. But it, it's one of those things what I'm saying is where some both sides of the, uh, of the aisle need to listen to each other. It's just like cannabis where someone's going to say to you, oh, you're smoking the devil's lettuce and it's bad and this and that. But have you researched it? Because I know people I've talked to where they're like, yeah, the research really hasn't shown this. And I'm like, but I'm wondering why prohibition was so damn long with it. And I'm sitting there saying, I have seen it because Ross, between you and I, I, and I guess others that are listening the past year, I did start to use edibles with CBD. So it's the first time in 41 years that I never used cannabis products, but I used it one because I had trouble sleep. I had trouble sleeping and my pain. I have a lot of pain. I had from fighting, from hitting, from headshots. Uh, my back is messed up. So anybody, that, does it help me? Yes. I clearly can tell you that I slept well. Uh, it helps with my pain. Um, now, do I use it and abuse it? Meaning, uh, is it something that I'm going to be codependent on and rely on all the time? It's probably why I didn't take it um, because I didn't want my body not to have so like, you know what I'm saying? When you, it's just like when you use antibiotics. I mean, that's part of the education of cannabis, right? Like when you realize what, what cannabis is and what it does for you, it's like, there is no, um, it's like being dependent on water. Yeah. We have to have water, you know, and our bodies have an endocannabinoid system that's been rendered deficient for almost a hundred years because of prohibition that leads to anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, um, you know, insomnia. Um, and a whole host of other things that big pharma lobbied the U.S. government to keep cannabis illegal so that they, they could sell you all those drugs. And not only that, get you addicted to them, where cannabis is not addictive on a psychological, it's on a, on a physical level, on a psychological level, it can be addictive, like video games. Okay. But on a physical level, it's not addictive the way these pharmaceuticals are. And it's not only on the pharmaceutical side of things that, you know, they, they've kept prohibition alive. It's on the industrial side of things. DuPont, you know, they, they lobbied the U.S. government ages ago to make weed illegal because they wanted to have synthetic sales and not use the hemp ropes. And they wanted to sell synthetic ropes. And so, I mean, for years and years, there's been big corporations and big money behind prohibition and the interests of government, like the war on drugs that we lived through with Nancy Reagan. I mean, you tell me they're trading cocaine for, for drugs or for, for arms, but they're bringing in the drugs and selling it. Yeah. What, what about doctors? What about doctors getting kickbacks? What about opioids? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. It's not just at, at a government level. The doctors themselves get paid to push these these pharmaceuticals and not to the college of physicians aren't going to anytime soon allow you know cannabis to be part of this this uh wonderful research that they're you know allowing to go on with other other addictive and dangerous drugs so i mean it's all it's all part of this opiate crisis and cannabis has been um resilient. blacklisted it's been blacklisted and black labeled blacklisted but the, the plant itself is resilient and the people who use it are resilient and so why and why are why are we cutting your trees down in places like uh, you know washington state and, and and oregon and and british columbia when you know i haven't again i haven't researched a ton of it but i know when i come across literature um you know the strength of hemp what hemp can do like yeah. in concrete or building yeah, things stop, and flooring stop cutting down the forest and just yes 
Why are we a multitude of, of products? And yeah. uh, they're even making um, hemp carbon that's stronger than carbon and doesn't break the way carbon breaks and shatters. And, and yeah, there's all kinds of, um, you know, Henry Ford used hemp oil to power the Model T Fords because that came out before oil did, right? And so this whole oil thing too. I mean, there's another big industry that lobbied to keep. Jeez, uh, I never thought of that, Ross. I never thought of that. Oil I mean, from, from, yeah. You know, and then it became racialized, right? Because the slaves yep. that came over from Africa um, were using cannabis at the time. It was no problem. Like, every, yep. Cannabis wasn't illegal. And they, they allowed the, the African-Americans to use cannabis and, and they kept them, you know. Well, how about, how about sugar cane and sugar with diabetes oh, and the health problems? Horrible. Sugar right now <laughs> is like one of the worst. You could, you'd be better off doing straight hard drugs than, than doing sugar. So are, are we, are we lost and misguided Ross as a, as a whole, are we? Yeah. <laughs> what, do, what do we need to do? Do you think? to change things a little bit more. I mean, it is becoming more acceptable. I mean, yes. I mean, even, even in workplaces here, they, they know that, uh, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, smoke up or, or eat an edible before you go into a factory and work just like you don't go drunk. Right. But I mean, for the everyday life, um, for health benefits, for personal benefits, what it's do we do? Generational what do you thing, do? Right? So I think over time, like this, the the, new, the younger generation already re knows weed is not an issue. And if it was an issue, there would be numbers to support it. There's no car accidents. There's no accidents at the factory. There's nothing happening. There's no numbers yeah. because there aren't any numbers. I mean, the safety is there. And, and, the, and now that it's legalized, it's only been for almost three years, not even three years yet. But over time, we'll get the statistics that show it's safer than coffee. I mean, seriously, the caffeine. So can you educate? I mean, again, I'm a learner too, still, right? Um, some of my listeners as well. So, you know, the, I guess the understanding that I got when you look at CBD and you look at THC, that more or less the properties in THC were more likely or will get you more of a high buzz feeling versus the CBD, um, not so much. And what are the properties um, how do they how do they react differently to the bodies and what they do? So CBD is more of a physiological, like anti-inflammatory effect. Um, so athletes love that for af after workouts, and um, you know if they've got injuries they're recovering from, like surgery or where you have some sort of swelling in the joints or something like that. It's great for arthritis. Um, and then, and then THC is more on like the, the pain side of things. So it's more like acetaminophen, whereas CBD is more like ibuprofen. You know what I mean? So, you, yeah. um, you know, and then the, 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 the psychoactive part of cannabis comes with the THC. Yeah. So the, the psychoactive part is great on a whole bunch of like psychological issues that can't, there is no no drug, no pharmaceutical that can even touch it. Correct. Um, when yeah. it's used properly for that stuff. Um, you know, for nerves, like, for example, uh, you have like stories like Charlotte's Web where you have kids that are going through thousands of seizures a day that nothing can stop them. And they yeah. start using CBD and the next thing you know, they're down to like five or 10 or, yeah, and it's controllable. I've seen videos of, of people who stutter so much that they can't even speak. And they have one puff of uh, just one puff, and all of a sudden they can speak normally like this. Well, see, see, and that's not just one case either, Ross. That's multiple, oh, right? So there, yeah. there has to be a point where finally, even either as a medical community, that you need to say, okay, this really needs to be looked into. And you know, it's just like the 1970s with the argument between sugar and fat. Where natural fats like a keto but natural fats are actually decent for you and good yeah. for you versus sugar is terrible but they used to play the role in the yeah. 70s that sugar was good and fat yeah, was with bad. everything that was fat free had tons of sugar in it that's so, right oh, great no fat and uh that's all i care about they didn't tell you there was tons of sugar in it and so you know your body doesn't even know what to do with sugar so it stores it Plus you're not getting your fat. So you're just out of whack altogether. I'm on a keto diet. Um, you know, I'm going to be 50 in July and you know, I ride my road bike. I've got a super active lifestyle and, and, um, 
you know, that's, it really is about your whole lifestyle. It's not just if you smoke weed or don't smoke weed, it's, you know, it's part of a whole bunch of things that you do. That's, that's good for you. And, and, you know, there's one thing that's going to, you know, save your life or, or, you know, you, there's a lot of things, even, you know, self work, like talking to different therapists if you need to. And, you know, I, I would go so far as to say there's there's a reason for anybody to go to the therapist, just breaking down and, and realizing that, uh, you know, that you need to do that. And I've been through ups and downs. I, I totally get it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about what you do on average on a regular basis. I'm not on a keto diet. I live that way. It's not, I'm not going yep. to it. I live like, that. no, it's what, it's how you live. It's what you watch, what you eat. And yeah, what I do. And yep. you know, cannabis, I wake up in the morning and I smoke weed right away. As soon as I, as soon as I can with my coffee and then I'll have a couple and I've created a life around me being able to do that. You know, I don't have a factory job for that reason. I don't work in an office building for that reason. My life's way yep. too precious to be in an, in an office caring about what someone thinks about what I do with my life. And yeah. that's the shift that we're going to have. And I think COVID's exposed the cracks, but that's the shift that's going to happen um, starting with the millennials and, and, you know, it's seeping into the older generations as well, yeah. and, but starting with the millennials and, and moving forward, um, what's right is right. And what's good for you is good for you. And there's so much information now that um, you can really find your way. And part of what we, we, we're going to be doing as a brand is helping people find their way and introduce them by our through our licensing deals to these companies that have the same values and, and, and are passionate the way we are. So Ross, people want to find your goodies and your brands. Uh, where, where are they going to, where is the best place for them to go and find that? So we're so on on dark mode right now. We don't have a website, but when yep. we launch, uh, it's going to be under therossgold.com. Okay, so they're going to be looking for Ross Gold, um, and, and basically, are you are you talking uh, to be back up and running within uh, the next uh, 12, 12 months or so, twelve to sixteen months? Yeah, I mean, we were hoping to have products this first quarter, and uh, things just. Move the well, way they COVID, moved. COVID has changed everything, right? COVID has so, changed everything, yeah. but we've, we're working with partners that have uh, newly been licensed. And uh, so just to give you an idea, we've got uh, pre-rolls that we're working on. Uh, like I said, nutrients, lights. Um, we're working on, on genetics. And uh, it's just a matter of time. And we built out the site and it's, sit, it's sitting there. We have merchandise that's going to, you know, we have a store built out but we're just keeping it on the down low. We're not Perfect. launching anything. I have nothing for sale. And um, it's gonna it's gonna come about when it comes about. So Ross, um, obviously, like I said, the first five or eight minutes of the conversation, I uh, forgot to hit record because we were uh, kind of laughing there in the beginning, but uh, I'm gonna ask a few more questions before I send you on your way. And uh, just maybe probably more or less for the people that are listening. So first ever snowboard that you own, what brand was that? Uh, Burton Elite Burton. 155. Perfect. So when Ross is up on the, uh, on the snow covered tips in the mountains there, what is the top three songs on his playlist? Oh man, You're gonna make me think. <laughs> well, I've been listening to a lot of Drake um, yep. lately, and uh, you know I'm, I'm repping the. I see the Ovo, yeah, OVO, uh. and um, I'm all about that that whole scene. But I'm also a big reggae guy, and um, you know That's I've funny. been. That's you funny. Know, I had I had reggae on the Alexa this morning because it, it nice. calms the dogs down. Yeah. Dogs love reggae music, bro. I don't know if you know that, but they do. Yeah, well, I'm a that's probably why my dogs have been so calm. <laughs> <laughs> but, it is, uh, it's yeah. a proven fact. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, I'm all about the reggae and the and and Drake and and I, I like all kinds of music. Frank Zappa, I'm a huge uh, yep. Zappa fan. So you know, I could, I could have anything playing literally. <laughs> so, so who's your favorite snowboarder outside of uh, your world? Favorite current or past? Current or past. Fred Kelly. Fred Kelly. Perfect. Perfect. Um, 
most memorable, like, you know, the, I would have to say when you have competed or even just for casual, um, what is the best place that you've ever boarded? The best place I've ever boarded. Um, well, you know, okay. What well, Whistler is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whistler, is, <laughs> Mount Baker is awesome. Okay. Um, there's a few places in Austria and in Switzerland, like Verbier in Switzerland. So sick there. And um, there's some secret little spots in Austria that are are killer. Feberbrunn's one of them. And um, if you actually look up the um, um, World Freeride Tour, uh, there are some great um, shots from those two uh, ski resorts in the in this year's contest. Perfect. And another uh, couple questions here is: if you could do anything, anything with the Olympic gold medal around your neck, what would you do? What would you do wearing that around your neck? If you could do anything in the world at any place or while wearing that gold medal from Nagano in 98, what would it be? Either to, to race in a top level Formula One race or a rally race <laughs> or to do the Baja 1000 or the Paris Dakar on my dirt bike. You like that? You like the the rally cars, eh? And the Baja? Oh, yeah, that stuff? Yeah. yeah, I used yeah. to, when I lived in Europe, when I lived in Europe, man, the rally racing was huge um, in, your, in the Europe circuit. Well, so one last question for you. One last question for you, Ross, is, uh, you know, it's been a hell of a life so far and, and life is still living for you. Um, is there anything that you regretted or wish that you could have done that you haven't or is there anything you regret doing that you would change a second time around? So far, so good. I've, no regrets, man. Um, I've had a pretty awesome go so far, and I, I feel like there's there's some more uh, in the tank. So um, I'm, you know, currently back coaching snowboarding at Apex Mountain, and and uh, on the free ride side, we're we're going to be qualifying athletes to join uh, the World Free Ride Tour. So you know, I'm still heavy into skiing and, and heavy into snowboarding. And probably one of the things that I'm definitely psyched on doing is some filming and, and, and making a snowboard movie. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Ross, I see that the day is still young where you are. I'm three hours ahead. So it's probably just before noon there. The, the uh, sun is just glistening out there. Uh, the waves are picking up a little bit. So what I'll do, my man, is I appreciate you jumping on in the game here. Uh, season two, episode one with the uh, with some good insight on Ross's gold, as well as some of your background and, and how it was to uh, live through your Olympic journey and the challenges you overcame, I guess, with the stigma for where you are today, which is uh, cannabis. And, you know, the benefits uh, that that cannabis offers to people. Uh, thank you for giving some insight. And I wish you nothing but luck. We will also uh, put the brand on there so people know what to look for moving forward. And I wish you all the best, man. Thanks for jumping on thank in the you. game, bro. Take care. Thanks for Ross. having me, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you, bro. We'll talk later. All right. Peace.